Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to bry or fine dine, this is Essen Fresen with Adrian Bagati. It's all about the food. Good morning and welcome. You're listening to the Essen Fresen show on High FM 101.9 and I'm your host, Adrian Bagati. Please remember once again any comments or suggestions, questions or topics that you think we should cover in the show, let us know. You can send us a telegram on 061. 895-1019, SMS us on 34519, SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50, or send us an email to onair at highfm.com. So coming up in today's to- show, once again, I cover some spices, and those spices are ginger and horseradish. And then I'm decoding some cooking terms that we see all the time. And today's cooking terms are boil, simmer, poach, steam, and blanche. These are all wet cooking methods. We once again continue our chat with Chef Ryan Lurie when it's all about whiskey. And today he talks about the difference between malt whiskies and blended whiskies. So that's something interesting. And then there's some news in the kosher food department from overseas, from around the world. Thankfully, In South Africa, we have no new updates or uh, exclusions from the list. Nothing seems to have changed. And although it is autumn and it should be getting colder, thankfully to me, it's nice and warm still. So besides the whiskey cocktail that I'm going to share, I'm also going to share a delicious soup that can be eaten in summer and in winter. Please remember you're listening to the Essen Fresen Show with Adrian Bogarty, where it's all about the food. So today we are starting on a little bit of a spicy zing, and it's perfect for the weather that's going to be coming up. It, this herb is a, and a spice, it's for both, is a beautiful um, immune booster and should be used quite liberally during the winter months to help us fight colds and flu, and that is ginger. So this is a spice that's got a bit of a biting taste, and it's used usually dried or and ground, and you can use it to flavor breads, sauces, curries. You can make it into sweets. You can pickle it, and it's very commonly known in ginger ale. So this is a root vegetable. That is used in cooking, well, root, as I say, spice rather than a vegetable. And I like it. I grate it into um, chicken soup. I will put a piece in chicken soup, nicely bruised. And when we say bruised, it's gently scrape the skin so that it starts. You should be able to smell the ginger coming off it and just put a tiny piece into some chicken soup. And it just gives it that slightly different flavor. A nice thing to do with ginger as well is um, in Japan, they take the ginger root and they actually boil it in syrup and eat it almost like a candy that you would do. Otherwise, they're eaten um, as a palate cleanser between courses. Most commonly, we see it here in South Africa, well, in the Western world, used when eating sushi. But ginger is not only used for food. Ginger is great um, in curries. Like I said, it's a, it's a staple of most curries. It's wonderful with pumpkin, especially if you're making pumpkin or butternut soup. 
adding that little ginger in would be great. And it's used to treat winds and colic as well as colds and flu. Now there's a little trick to peeling ginger. Ginger is an uneven shape and it's quite a weird root. And if you've ever tried to use a peeler on it, it doesn't really work well. You remove almost all of your ginger root. So the trick is to use a spoon, the rounded end of the spoon, and just scrape the skin off the ginger. And it leaves you with that beautiful ginger flavor. And it's a nice, clean ginger. The next herb that I'm speaking about, whether it's a herb or a spice, um, is something that is almost quintessentially Jewish. I think we're, we all know it, and that is horseradish. Now, horseradish is actually part of the mustard family, and it's known because it's so strong and it's hot and it's beautiful as a relish. Um, we make it, most of our people eat it with gefilte fish. It's really, really good with roast beef. Rare roast beef and horseradish go beautifully together. When you buy it bottled, you'll find it's colored with beetroot. So that's why it's the red um, uh, horseradish. Um, I make it over Pesach and I don't put in the beetroot because I find that it dilutes the nice kick that horseradish gives it. And for those who don't have uh, wasabi handy, Horseradish is a good substitute for that. Now, believe it or not, horseradish is actually a weed um, in certain areas. So it grows beautifully. And what's nice about horseradish is you can actually take a piece of the root. And if you plant it carefully, it actually grows into your horseradish to eat. Um, and we found when growing it, you need to rotate it. You need to leave it at least two years to get a really good growth. Um, we used to cut off the leaves at the top and then just regrow it, and it just made a bigger root to grow. And it, it is it is quite easy to grow um, in certain conditions. You need to make sure that those conditions are, you know, so the Mediterranean conditions. So we want it kind of warm, a bit moist as well, and they grow beautifully. Once again, you're listening to the Essen Fresen Show, and I'm Adrian Bugatti, your host. Knowing your COVID status doesn't need to be costly or take forever. At Diskem Pharmacies, you can reduce the cost and anxiety of waiting for results with their rapid COVID tests. Book an antigen test, which can determine if a specific virus is present currently, or an antibody test, which in most cases can determine whether you have had a virus or not in the recent past. Book an appointment at a Diskem store near you on 0861-117-427. Diskem, a winning mind in a healthy body. Whether you are chalishing for chalas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Fressen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food. Next up, we come to the terms um, to boil, simmer, steam, and blanch, and then something about an ice bath. So let's find out. So these cooking terms actually involve cooking in water or with water, so they're known as moist cooking. Boiling, we all know what boiling is, but if you look at it scientifically, boiling is getting your temperature of your water to about 100 degrees at sea level. It's uh, slightly different up here 
uh, in a higher altitude. But you want the water must be bubbling. So it must have quite rapidly rising bubbles and it would be noisy. So you would hear boiling. And this is a common cooking technique, especially for pasta. And many recipes will tell you, you need to bring it to boil and then reduce to a simmer. So what you want to do is get it hot, 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 put your stuff in, turn down the temperature and let it cook slowly. So you don't want to put the food into cold water and then bring it to temperature because what that does is leaches out the nutrients of the food that you're cooking. So one of the places where you would use boiling water or boiling anything before cooking is if you are doing something like knedlach, uh, matzah balls, putting them into, they must be put into boiling water and then turned down because if you put them into like simmering water or something, they tend to break apart. So you want that really rapid heat to cook the outside and then slow it down and let it cook slowly on the inside. And that's where we use, um, so boiling water is used in the blanching technique, which we will talk about in a few minutes. The next terminology that I'm using is simmering. Now, this refers to cooking in a liquid that is just below boiling temperature. So it's between 90, just under 90 to 100 degrees Celsius. And you should see the bubbles coming up, but they should be gentle. It shouldn't be like making a noise and the water moving around. Simmering is one of the most common moist cooking methods, and it's used for everything from stocks and soups to cooking vegetables. Now, the trick with simmering, especially if you're doing soups, soups should be done simmered because if you heat them up slowly, it's easier to skim the 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 sort of impurities off the top of the water than if you boil anything. And it also prevents that funny scum that forms on the top of your um, water, on, on the top of your soups and things like that. The next term we call is poaching. Now, this is under simmering, so it's between 70 to 90 degrees Celsius. And there should be very few bubbles in the water. And it should be sort of the water should maintain its heat. You don't want it to drop too carefully. And this is the perfect method for cooking things like fish and eggs where they're delicate. So you don't want them disturbed by the bubbles. You know, if you put fish into boiling water, it will break apart. And the same with poaching eggs. It needs to be gently done. Now, steaming is very popular and considered very healthy. But you need to be careful with steaming um, because what happens with steaming is sometimes with that heat, if it's the wrong temperature or if it's done too long or if your vegetables still come into contact with the water, then you'll see the water change color. And often that can be the nutrients leaching into the water once again. But what you do with steaming, and, and here's some tricks to do it if you don't have a fancy steamer, is you take a pot of water and you can put a strainer, a metal strainer on top. Uh, make sure that the water and the strainer don't touch each other. Once the water is boiling, you put your um, steamer basket, whether it's your um, strainer or whether you actually have a, a proper one, and you put that into, you put your vegetables into that without it 
touching the water and it keeps them nice and fresh and not lose the flavor. And it's fantastic when you're cooking things like vegetables. Steaming rice is really great and steaming fish is an amazing way to cook fish. You can steam pretty much anything. Uh, chicken breasts especially will steam nicely. It tends to avoid them drying out. You do need to be careful that even though it's a wet heat, you can still dry out your chicken breasts. And then lastly, the term is blanching. Now this involves boiling water and it's well known for, you'll often hear the term blanch of vegetables. And what that is, is plunging the vegetables, especially ones with bright colors, into boiling water, taking them out, and then putting them in absolutely cold water, like an ice bath, which is, I'll explain that now. And that process makes the vegetables more vibrant and more colorful, and it gives like a tender, crisp, and delicious flavor. And so blanching is also used before you freeze stuff. So you can do, say, potatoes, you want to freeze them. You would blanch them for five minutes, put them in the ice bath to stop the cooking immediately, and then you can freeze them. And it gives them a, a little bit of a, an edge when you want to fry them up. It really does add to it. So what is an ice bath? Well, we talk about an ice bath, um, and this is the most common I'll a nice trick to use and an ice bath is a large bowl filled with water and ice and when you drop the food in it immediately stops the cooking you know process and gives it the best things so you can use it from anything for peas to hard-boiled eggs and this method is the perfect method to peel tomatoes so what you can do with the tomato is I often will make it like prick a little hole in you put the tomatoes into boiling water for literally a few minutes, like two minutes at the most. Pull it out, put it into the ice water, and what you'll see happen is the skin starts to crack, and it will peel open, and it'll be nice and easy to remove the skin for your tomatoes. So perfect if you want to make your own homemade pasta sauce. Once again, you're listening to Adrian Bugatti, and this is the Essen Fresen Show on High FM, where it's all about the food. If you've got any comments or suggestions, questions or topics that you think we should cover in the show, please let us know via Telegram on 061-895-1019 or SMS us on 34519. SMSs are charged at 150. You can also send us an email to onair at highfm.com. And then... When we return from the break, we're going to once again speak to Ryan Chef Lurie, and he's continuing our education into whiskey. Remember, whiskey is a love-hate relationship. Uh, I'm kind of more on the dislike, extreme dislike end, but I could get into some of the cocktails if we need to, and I will give you the recipe. He does share a recipe during the interview that we recorded this week, um, and I will put that on the website, on the High FM website after the show. So we're going to take a small air break. And when we return, it's all about whiskey. When at Sandringham Spa this year, my Oatsmoort. Dress your car up in blue and white and you could be winning lots of cash if your car is the best dressed. Judging is at 11.30. This means you need to be parked by 11.30 a.m. on Yomha Oatsmoort. The judging will take place at 12 midday. 
There are thousands of reins that you could be yours if your car is the best dressed in blue and white for Yomaha Atzmoot. 101.9 Chai FM, 101.9 megahertz of independence. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to bry or fine dine, this is Essen Fressen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food. Welcome back. You're listening to the Essen Fressen show on Chai FM 101.9. I'm your host, Adrian Bagatti, and with me again is Ryan Chef Lurie. And we're talking today on single malt versus blended whiskies. So we're just going to go back over a little bit of what we spoke about last week and then get into, I suppose, the meat of the whiskey. Ryan, welcome back and thank you for coming to join us again on our whiskey journey. Thanks for having me again. And uh, yeah, hopefully I get to inspire more people to start drinking whiskey. I think the cocktails might sort of inspire me. Whiskey neat is not going to happen. So we'll talk about that uh, that highball that uh, yes. I mentioned in the last show. We'll talk about it right at the end. Please remind me. Oh, well, thank you. Cool. Okay. So uh, where do you want me to kick off? So you uh, let's just recap a little bit on what we spoke about last week on, on sort of for those who weren't listening on how whiskeys kind of are made and, you know, what they are. You know, there's a couple of different stages to, to making whiskey. Um, and, uh, you know, it starts off, it goes from malting to drying to mashing to the, uh, fermentation, distilling, and then maturation. So I'll just briefly tell you what those are. Malting is the process of uh, soaking barley um, mm. in, in, in water for two or more days uh, and getting it to start germinating. Remember I spoke about those yeah. school projects where you have the beans that start sprouting? Yes, that's it. That's, yes. that's what you're trying to do. And at that point in time, they stop it, uh, and then they start to dry it. This stage is skipped if it's grain whiskey. I'm just going to put that out there right now. If it is okay. grain whiskey, and we'll talk about that in a moment, they don't do this step of malting. Okay. After malting comes drying, and that's when they heat treat it to stop the process. And this is generally where they introduce peat or smoke. And when we talk about peated, uh, peated whiskies or smoky whiskies in another edition, I'll explain how that how that process yeah. works. The next right. step is something called mashing. And once it's dried out, that that dried grain is taken and ground into a flour, which is called grist. And that's then mixed with hot water and it creates a mash. And that's where they ta- start taking, this is a bit scientific, they start taking the starches and turning them into sugars, which is effectively what's going to start the creation of the building blocks for the alcohol. Once they've done that, they um, put it into a fermentation process, and that's where they add yeast to to the process, and that speeds it up quite a lot. That's when you end up with this thing called a whiskey wash or a, a distiller's wash, and that's the same thing as beer. It's at that point that they take it and they, they distill it. It's the distillation process that we really need to look at now to understand the difference between single malts and blended whiskies. The distillation process is where they start to purify um, the bad alcohols from the good alcohols, from okay. a lack of a better way to say it. Mm. So you don't want to be drinking methanol and ethanol. Um, you, you want to start drinking what they call the heart, um, the heart of, of the spirit. Okay. Um, when it comes to malt whiskey, which is single malt whiskey, there's this big 
confusion between malts and blends and which is better. Um, it was interesting. I, I was asked the other day, um, you know, can you recommend uh, a, a nice whiskey to get my uh, my grandfather for his 80th birthday? Now, the fact that someone's uh, um, grandfather's 80 years old and still drinking whiskey is fantastic for me. So I said, it doesn't really matter. Get him, you know, get him something that he, that he likes drinking. He says, well, I don't know what he likes drinking. So I said, well, does he like blends or single malts? And they said, well, no, no, single malts are better. I said, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. So, so there's this belief that a single malt whiskey is, is a single whiskey from a single barrel from a single distillery that goes into a bottle. And that's not okay. the case. Okay. okay. So a, a single malt whiskey simply means the following. It's a malt whiskey, meaning it's, it's barley that has been gone through that, that original process of malting. Um, and it is prepared in a traditional way, which effectively means that it is distilled twice. We're talking about Scotch whiskey here. When we talk about Irish whiskeys on another show, I'll explain why it's distilled a third time, but it's distilled twice in a traditional fashion. And that tra traditional fashion is by using a pot still, that upside down mushroom that I spoke about. Yes. Yeah, it's made of copper and the copper takes out the bad qualities out of, out of this uh, whiskey wash or this, this clear liquid um, as it distills. So a single malt whiskey is a, malted whiskey that's gone through the distillation process produced in one distillery. Okay. Now that doesn't mean that it comes from one barrel only. That doesn't mean that it, you know, if people get confused and they say, Oh, that's, that's a single malt that comes from one barrel. No, it comes from multiple barrels, but all from the same distillery using a particular type of malted barley. Okay. So that is a single, a single malt. And it then goes into a barrel and is aged. Now that distillation process, as I said, goes through two, it goes through two um, stills, as they call it. One is called the wash still, where they are literally washing the alcohol from the, to get the bad qualities out of it. Um, this whiskey wash into a, this upside down looking mushroom. And if anyone wants to Google what a, 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 a pot still looks like, that's the, you know, they can have a look. But what happens is they heat that. And as they heat that liquid, the alcohols and the water separate. The alcohols rise up to the top. It gets up to the top and it goes through this uh, little spout. And as it then cools, it turns back into liquid and goes into a second distilling pot, to call it anything else. Mm -hmm. And that is what they call, effectively, it's what they call the spirit still. So now you've got alcohol that's at a 20% alcohol by volume. So remember, beer is 6 or 7%. This is now sitting at 20%. Okay. And they go through this process again of boiling it, letting the alcohol separate. They let the first bit of alcohol, they, they take it away, and that's called the tops. Um, and then they get this thing called the heart. And the heart of the alcohols is now sitting at around a 60 to 70% alcohol by volume. They leave the, something called the tails in the bottom of the, the, the actual distillation um, pot, okay. the pot still. So now you're sitting with this, with this whiskey that's ready to go into a barrel. That is how it works for malted whiskey. Grain whiskey is done in a different way. And this is where we start getting to the point of what blends are. So grain whiskey 
runs through a different distillation process. It's going through a, an, this upside-down mushroom where it gets heated and then separates. It gets boiled in this, uh, or it gets heated in a copper column, a two columns that go up, and it's constantly being done in order to separate the good alcohols from the bad. And it's a far quicker process, and you can do far more volumes of it. So remember, all of a sudden, when you've got malted whiskey or single malt whiskey, it takes a long time because you first have to malt the whiskey. Then you have to put it through this distillation process twice. When you've got grain whiskeys, anything other than barley, you don't have to go through this whole process of malting and then distilling twice. You can just use these coppers still. So that's the main difference between how, how it's distilled in order to make it what they call a blended or a single malt whiskey. So... After it's done that and before it's put into the, the barrels, effectively you're looking at three or at five types of whiskies. You've got a single malt whiskey, right, which is as we've spoken mm-hmm. about. You've then got a single grain whiskey, which okay. is just single grain from one distillery. And this is rare in Scotland. There are a couple that do it. You've then got something called a vatted malt or a blended malt, which is single malts from different distilleries. Okay. To give you an example of what that would be, you'd be looking at something like Monkey Shoulder, or you'd be looking at something like Bell's Special Reserve. Okay. Or you'll be looking at something like uh, J&B Jet. These are vatted malts, or you'll okay. be looking at Johnny Walker Green Label. Okay. So these are a number of single malts blended and married together to be bottled at a later stage. Okay. You've then got something called blends. Yes. Now, blends are when you take a single malt from one distillery or multiple single malts from multiple distilleries and mix it together with a grain or multiple grains from multiple places, grain whiskey. Okay. And what you end up having is a blend of a number of different whiskeys put into a bottle and then there are different things that happen with that. So the common things that people drink, Johnny Walker, Shivas Regal, these are, these are whiskeys that people drink a lot. Um, and those are higher quality blends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get the blends that everyone else has, which is White and McKay, the White Horse, uh, Bells, the Standard Bells, um, First Watch, all of these whiskeys that you can get that are relatively inexpensive because they have very little single malt in it and majority grain whiskies. Okay. And they have not been aged at all. Okay. One of the blends that, that, that breaks this mold quite a lot is something called Dewar's. Mm. So the Dewar's is a, is a, is a blend that's been aged, very similar to what Johnny Walker does. They age it for 12 or 15 or 18 years, even up to 21 years. Sure. So okay. they are taking a mix of single malt whiskies and blended whiskies, putting them together and then aging them or, or using aged whiskies and then putting them into a barrel to marry them. And that's a whole other conversation, which I'm sure <laughs> we'll, we'll have some time to chat about. Well, we hope so. Okay. So you were talking doers. You've got a beautiful cocktail. Tell us the story about how that cocktail came to be. I think it's a very cute story. So John Dewar was, uh, was in uh, New York in, in Broadway, the West End, and he walked into a bar with a friend of his. He was busy trying to, to push 
this uh, Scottish blended whiskey out in, in, in the US. He walked into a, into a bar with a friend of his and he used to refer to drinks as uh, balls. So they would go in and have a ball. Um, he walked up to the barman and he said, can I have three whiskeys? It was him and two friends. And the barman brought him whiskey in whiskey tumblers. And he said, no, no, no. Can you put them in a long glass? Can you add some ice, put some ginger ale, a bit of soda and some of this whiskey? And he actually used the, the Dewar's whiskey. Um, and the story goes is that that's how they created this thing called a high ball. So instead of having a small drink, they had a long drink, which was then referred to as a highball. So there's lots of other people that say stories came from other places, but that's what I know. And, and that's actually a nice little re uh, recipe that, uh, that the guys from, um, from Dewar's actually use. So they use their 15-year-old <clears throat> blended whiskey. Okay. So you have two parts 15-year-old blended whiskey. You fill the glass up with ice. You add a touch of uh, um, of soda water or, or sparkling water, and then the balance is filled up with ginger ale. And then for, for just a little bit of good measure, you take a peel of an orange, or preferably a blood orange, pop it on the top, give the, the, the orange a little squeeze on the top of it, and just a quick mix, one, two, three twirls, and you've got something called a uh, Jewish highball. For people like yourself that you say don't enjoy whiskey, yeah. This is a perfect way to start. So, so you'll find notes in, in this whiskey specifically that have honey uh, and vanilla and that mixed with the ginger, with the ginger ale uh, and the, the squeeze of orange just takes it to another level. Well, honey and ginger ale is like a beautiful combination for anything. <laughs> so, yeah. so we'll, we'll talk about in a later stage, we'll talk about how notes of honey or vanilla or fruit or citrus actually come through from the barrels. Um, yes. and, and influence the whiskey. But this is just a nice way to highlight um, those mm. flavors by, by making these whiskey cocktails. It's, uh, the, the whiskey cocktails sound great. So that sounds like an amazing uh, cocktail. I definitely plan on trying it um, at some stage, maybe next Shabbos, just to have a nice uh, a nice change of pace and, and give it a bash. Um, so blood oranges... Um, if you can't find a blood orange, could it, could you use a normal orange? So I would say yes. Um, what you would do is you would you would actually instead of squeezing some of the orange in, you'll actually um, give a squeeze of the peel of the actual peel itself. Oh, okay. So a little With bit of zest. Orange, a little bit of zest, and then you, if if you're feeling adventurous, you can just cut a little piece of the skin. Uh, if you've got a peeler, you can use a peeler just to give it a little twirl. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, just adding that just ends up ends up helping people introduce whiskey that don't usually like it or don't usually drink it, um, or even for those who do and just feel like enhancing some of the flavors. Um, it's just a nice way to do it. Okay, so thank you very much for today's uh, lesson in whiskey making. So we spoke about single malt versus blend and what they are and the delicious uh, highball, which I will include, and you will be able to find it on the website after the show. We're going to continue in the next few weeks talking about these whiskeys because it's a very fascinating journey to take. Um, for anybody who's listening to the show, if there's any questions that you have about the malts and the whiskeys or anything to do with the show, please ask, you know, send us some comments, suggestions, questions, 
anything you'd like us to cover in this whiskey journey. And you can send us via Telegram on 061-895-1019. You can send us an SMS on 34519. And SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. Or send us an email to onair at highfm.com. So, Ryan, thank you so much once again for joining me today. Um, and we will speak again for next week's show. We will do another recording and some more recipes. Um, thank you. Cool. I'm looking forward to it and hopefully taking your listeners on a, a journey of whiskey and getting to understand uh, or at least start to appreciate whiskey like I do, hopefully. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, if anyone's got any questions, please, I'm looking forward to hearing about them and trying to find out more what uh, what your listeners want to know about whiskey and yeah. the spirits. And then also, um, if anybody's interested in, uh, you know, whiskey tastings and things like that, let us know and we will pass that on to Ryan so that he can get hold of you to book those kind of things, um, you know. And he does them online as well as in person. So it's a great uh, little um, evening together, um, you know, for the grown-ups for a change. Thank you, Ryan. and. We will speak next week. Right. We will see you next week. Thanks a lot, Adrian. And uh, to you and your listeners, Lachaim and Slanjavar. Chai FM will be broadcasting live from the Sandringham Spa this Yom Ha'atzmaut. There are lots of prizes to be won. Cash prizes, vouchers, and yummy kosher treats. So put on your best blue and white, dress up your car, and come and get your flags. It's all happening on the Strip at Sandringham Spa this Thursday. Yoma Atzmaud from 9 a.m. See you there. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of independence. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Fressen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food. Welcome back. You're listening to the Essen Fressen show on High FM 101.9. I'm your host, Adrian Bagatti. And after that incredibly fascinating um, talk on single malt and blended whiskies, it's time to look at kashrut from around the world. Thankfully, we have had no changes to our kashrut lists um, that I could find, no messages on the kashrut desk board on Facebook or anywhere else. So we're looking at overseas. Alerts from Canada and the USA, mostly. The first one is Wilton Sweet Center's Caramel Filling. They bear the OU without the D, the dairy designation. It's just a reminder that the Wilton Sweet Center's Caramel Filling are milchik, they are dairy, OU dairy. Then we have Sweet Kiwi Frozen Yogurts. And that's from Washington, D.C. And they have an unauthorized OU. They are not kosher. The Orthodox Union does not certify sweet kiwi products. Then from Montreal, the Montreal Kosher Bakery in St. Louis has changed ownership. And therefore, the Montreal Kosher has suspended kosher supervision for this establishment until further notice. Um, another one from Montreal, um, and that is, uh, sorry, this is from OK, and that uh, MK, Montreal Kosher Butchery in Victoria, continues to be under MK strict certification, 
it is not connected to the Montreal Kosher Bakery located in St. Louis. So please be very aware of that. The one is kosher and the other one is not. Then from OK, Muka um, products have are no longer certified kosher due to kashrut violations. So they have lost their kashrut certificate. Once again, a reminder that if there are any suggestions, questions, or topics you think we should cover in this show, please let us know. You can send us a message via Telegram on 061-895-1019. You can SMS us on 34519. SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. Or you can send us an email to onair at highfm.com. And now for the two recipes, the whiskey cocktail that Ryan shared in his little in our interview, and then another one for potato soup. So not the fancy vichyssoise. This is just plain potato soup, and it is just as good hot as it is cold. So the first recipe I'm going to share is the whiskey cocktail. It's really easy. Um, and this is, as I said, originally from Dewar's, and it is their original whiskey um, cocktail. And it's called a highball. So the recipe for a highball is very simple. It's uh, two parts whiskey, so um, two fingers of whiskey. Um, in particular, Ryan mentioned the Dewar's because those are the people who um, invented it. So two parts whiskey, some ice, one part soda water, some fill it up with some ginger ale and some orange peel. He did mention that uh, blood orange makes the best, but if you cannot find blood orange, then a great substitute would be um, to grate a little bit of the orange peel into your highball and that would give you a delicious um, flavor. So that's the first the first recipe. Our second recipe is a potato soup. So it is two tablespoons of margarine, one onion finely diced, eight cups of water, six teaspoons of chicken flavored stock powder, six potatoes peeled and diced, and then salt and pepper to taste. In a frying pan, you're going to, or in the pot, you're going to cook the soup in. Lightly um, fry the onions until they're golden or in glassy. You don't want them to go brown. Um, so keep stirring as you do it. Then you add your potatoes, your stock powder, and your water all together. As I said, this is a very easy soup. And you bring it to boil and then simmer it for about 10 to 15 minutes until all the potatoes are soft. Put in your stick blender or put it in your ordinary blender and then to liquidize it. If the soup is too thick, you can add a little bit more stock to thin it out. Um, and it really is a great winter soup if it's warm, if you serve it warm. If it is uh, cold, you can, you know, if you want it cold, you can do that. And then sometimes I will add a little cream or cream substitute. For the extra richness, I hope you find the recipe 
as delicious as we do. Um, my family, the potato soup is a great hit. Thank you for listening to the Essen Fresen show with Adrian Bugatti. This is High FM 101.9. Once again, a reminder, if you've got any comments or suggestions, questions or topics you think we should cover in the show, please let us know via Telegram on 061-895-1019. SMS us on 34519. SMSs are charged at 150. Or send us a Telegram, an email on on air at highfm.com. And we'll be back next week with some more whiskey tales and some recipes.